Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 29th, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. We are three people talking about theater, none of whom went to BroadwayCon. You're welcome. I, although, I think Natalie wishes she was there. Yes, I wish I could go. <laughs> James is bitter about not being there, and I could not be happier to have not been there. <laughs> See that? Three different people passing ships in the night. <laughs> Something were, like that. If we were the Navy, we would have hit each other. Oh, all righty. Two ships passing in the distance. Anyway, um, little ragtime reference there. But uh, we didn't go to Broadway Con, but yesterday, James, in this very feed, you released a new episode of This Week on Broadway. Peter and Michael back together again, because it seems like Peter's been gone for a while. Um, you guys talked about a number of interesting things, including that Bobby Darren story at 92nd Street Y that we said might be coming to Broadway. Cruel Intentions, Miles for Mary, which I guess some people on the Twitter took exception <laughs> to uh, the review um, I did on that. See that. But anyway, yeah, and then <laughs> I, I don't uh, think uh, a bunch on, of other stuff as well. Yeah. The person on Twitter d- doesn't understand the difference between a review and a uh, journalistic report. You know, <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny how that works, especially uh, uh, what opinions mean, especially from people who have actually seen it but anyway um so that's a great episode listen to that um james i haven't heard it yet were peter and michael of the opinion that this is something that could potentially make a transition to the main stem well uh it's interesting peter and michael both raved about it said it was it was just over the moon but Peter brought a twist into it that I I didn't think about or I hadn't heard about is that there is this Bobby Darren musical that is not what was at 92nd Street Wide last week uh, and had a reading of it. Uh, and Peter said that that one is really good and it starred a Jersey boy um, in the uh, in the presentation that, that Peter had seen. And that could come to Broadway and maybe that could come to Broadway with Groff, but very interesting because i didn't realize there were two different hmm. things happening i haven't heard about the one with a with a jersey boy i'm interested to see which jersey boy it was but he, uh he didn't mention the name but i off the top of my head they all meld together yes midtown men and yes. all that stuff but, uh anyway uh one thing we did want to let you know in this feed tomorrow's episode will be slightly late because i think we're recording on Tuesday morning, James won because you were going to see the off-Broadway production of Cardinal starring Adam Pally and Anna Klumsky. And tonight, I'm actually going to see the one and only former Vice President Joe Biden speak down here at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. So uh, we won't be recording on Monday night. We'll record Tuesday morning and uh, we'll get that out to you just as soon as possible. And then I mentioned last Friday on Friday's episode that on Friday night, I went and saw Riverdance, the 20th anniversary tour at the Dr. Phillips Center. And I wrote a review for Broadway World. You can look at it. But basically, it's Riverdance. They spend way too much time not dancing and uh, and bringing in like flamenco dancers and Russian dancers. I don't really understand. But when they're doing their Irish tap dancing and they actually have a couple tappers, uh, like, you know, old fashioned American tappers that are really, really fun. But when they're doing their thing and everyone's together, it really, really is uh, exciting and invigorating and thrilling, um, even if the hair costumes and videos uh, all look like they are still from that original production 20 years ago. I said in the review that it looks like their video and projections were all created on Windows 98. Um, so, 
you know, I'm sure this tour is going, it's going to like 40 cities around the country. So if you think you might enjoy some Irish step dancing, this is probably a good thing to see. Um, hopefully you won't get the incredibly smug male lead dancer that we got, but whatevs. <laughs> it seems like uh, maybe Riverdance went through the, is going through the same thing that uh, Cirque du Soleil did, where you know Cirque du Soleil does this really amazing stuff that they sort of put to the side when they tried to make a Broadway show. No more of that. More of the thing that we yes. loved you for. You know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Banana spiel was not necessary. Yeah. And anyway, exactly. First up in the news, the prom announces principal casting at Broadway Con. Yes. Uh, yesterday, as part of the our Broadway Con panel introducing audiences to new musicals coming to Broadway, which none of the three of us were at, the upcoming production of The Prom revealed the stars that will be headlining this new musical from Bob Martin, Chad Bagellan, and Matthew Sklar. Joining the show after having been a part of it in the Atlanta out-of-town tryout will be Tony winner Beth Level, nominees Brooks Ashmanskis and Christopher Sieber, as well as Caitlin Keenan, who is returning as well, Elizabeth McCollum, Michael Potts, and Angie Schwoyer, Josh Lamon, and Courtney Collins. Courtney Collins, interestingly enough, this will be her Broadway debut, but I saw her as Dolly Gallagher Levi in a nine-person production of Hello, Dolly! in Atlanta back in 2013, and I actually interviewed her for Broadway World way back then, if you want to check that out. But anyway, um, the show is directed and choreographed by the very busy Casey Nicola, and is scheduled to open on Broadway on November 15th of this year in a Schubert theater to be named later. Interestingly enough, apparently this show is set in, in a high school, which we'll explain here in a second, um, but many of the high school ensemble members um, are no longer available to be a part of this show because Casey Nicola cast them in Mean Girls. So uh, <laughs> uh, they're going to have to find some new uh, some new kids to be in that one. But uh, I guess it's always good to be in the Nicola family. But as we discussed when the show was in the ATL, the story focuses on an Indiana school where instead of allowing a female student to bring her girlfriend to prom, they simply cancel prom altogether, which ignites a firestorm and a handful of B or C level celebrities decide to champion the cause, at least in part for their own personal gain. Additional casting and ticket on sale dates will be announced shortly. Um, guys, I, I love this cast. Like Beth Level, Brooks Ashmanskis, Christopher Sieber. Uh, it's fantastic. And I, as I've said before, I'm a huge Bob Martin fan from uh, Drowsy Chaperone. So I, I really hope that this is good and it's able to, to find its audience. But uh, just I, I know it got pretty good reviews in Atlanta, but I, I think just on the description alone that it sounds like it could be a bit cheesy if they're not careful and not exactly something that finds a wide audience on Broadway. So I've got my fingers crossed and hope I'm wrong because uh, you love to see these kind of journeyman actors and obviously one's a Tony winner and, and Tony nominees, but people who aren't huge stars, but do great work every time they're on stage, get something where they are a lead and it goes really well. So I, I'm, I'm optimistic, although cautiously so. Okay. Next up in the news, Broadway represented at the Grammy Awards. Yes, we are uh, technically recording just as the CBS telecast of the Grammys has kicked off. So if anything happens during the television part of the ceremony that we need to talk about, we will let you know tomorrow. But there is a lot more to the Grammys than just what shows up on TV, including Dear Evan Hansen winning the award for Best Musical Theater Album. For some reason, everyone in the cast will be considered Grammy winners now, even though Ben Platt was determined to be the principal vocalist. James, as we discussed with Robbie Rizal after the nominations came out, there is little to no rhyme or reason as to how those things are determined. And it seems just to be complete, uh, 
chance or happenstance or favoritism uh, because there was not a single person represented as a Grammy a Grammy nominee from the cast of Come From Away. But it is what it is. Bench Pasek and Justin Paul earned their first Grammys, uh, which will probably be more to come in the future. And they are now just an Emmy away from an EGOT. Also yesterday afternoon, Lin-Manuel Miranda picked up his third Grammy Award, this time for Best Song Written for Visual Media for How Far I'll Go from Moana. The song is sung by Alili Carvalho. Uh, Miranda is still looking for an Oscar for his EGOT. Uh, I don't I don't think he'll get one for his acting performance in the Mary Poppins sequel, but who knows? Um, as we've discussed before, Patti Lapone and Ben Platt performed during last night's ceremony. It just hasn't happened as of this recording. Um, but if you missed it, I'm pretty sure that a certain site that goes by BWW already has those videos up for you to watch. And while this is not Grammy related, although it probably will be a year from now, as expected, we learned on Friday that the great Kiala Seto will perform the Oscar nominated song. This is me at the 90th Academy Awards in March. Wow. That's exciting. All right. Uh, Showing casting news. What do we have? Okay. After we'd recorded Friday's episode late on Thursday night, Washington, D.C.'s arena stage announced that they would be producing the world premiere of the musical adaptation of the of the film Dave, featuring a book by Tony winner Thomas Meehan and a score by Tony winner Tom Kitt and a book by Tony nominee Nell Benjamin. The great Tina Landau will direct, and no casting has been announced yet, but the musical will play from July 13th through August 19th of this year, presumably with sights set on New York next. If you aren't familiar, it is based on the 1993 Oscar-nominated film in which the President of the United States falls ill and a doppelganger is brought in to stand in for him. Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver played the president slash Dave, the high school teacher taking his place, and Flotus in the film. In recent readings and workshops of the musical, those roles were played by none other than Brian Darcy James and Carmen Cusack. I like that. I think those are those are good, good people in those roles. Um, Natalie, I'm not even going to ask you because I am 99.999% sure you haven't seen it. But James, you're right. Yep, I know my audience here. Um, but James, we've talked about this before when the workshops were happening. I love this film. I loved it when I was younger and saw it. And if done well, I, I think it could be a, a really good and, and impactful musical, especially in today's society. And when you get a team like that with Meehan writing the book and Kit and Benjamin writing the score, like that's that's pretty uh, spectacular as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, this is a, a great movie, and uh, I wonder, if, was the movie as popular as I, as I thought it was? Uh, I, you know, I think back at, at movies in that, in that time frame, and maybe it was popular because it was at the time when I went to see a lot of movies. Yeah, I mean, it, it did uh, get at least a, an Oscar nomination. Um, I'm trying to pull up the box office numbers here. Um, but, I mean, it's one that I think a lot of people saw. At box office, it did about $63 million back in 1993. And it was essentially, you know, kind of a, a political romantic comedy. So uh, I think that's pretty decent um political satire you know political campaign it ranks up pretty high up there um it won it was a nominee for academy award for best original screenplay so um yeah i mean i think doing 63 million dollars you know 24 25 years ago is uh is not too bad so it seems like it was pretty popular 
Yeah, I have to. I haven't seen it in such a long time. I see if it's on Netflix or some other way. I can uh, I can see it. Hmm. All right. So Sarah Bareilles extends in waitress again. I you know walking throughout Manhattan uh, this weekend, I happened to notice that first of all, Dearvin Hansen has taken over all the advertising on buses. You can't mm-hmm. see a bus go by without a Dearvin Hansen on it, and Sarah Bareilles is is everywhere in waitress in waitress print ads all over New York as well. Yeah, there was a lot of buses with Betsy Wolf's face when uh, waitress when she was in waitress, but apparently uh, she's been bumped. Apparently, but interestingly enough, last week Sarah Bareilles announced that she would extend in her musical Waitress an extra two weeks, bringing her run to an end on March 11th. Jason Mraz will end his run in the show the month before on February 11th. However, as we discussed last week, this move by Bareilles could be a bridge. Uh, to to cover the gap to when a certain smashing idol takes over the role of Jenna this spring. <laughs> Only time will tell. Um, speaking of one star taking over a role from another star, on Friday we learned that uh, that Rhea Perlman will replace Rosie O'Donnell and David Rabe's new play Good for Otto. O'Donnell, who has long been attached to the production, has had to withdraw due to illness. The show will begin performances on February 20th and will officially open on March 8th. And finally, in this section, according to an equity casting notice that went up last week, Smokey Joe's Cafe might be heading back to New York City. The historic main theater, the Ungonquit Playhouse, will feature the review this May and June. And afterwards, the production will apparently be getting an off-Broadway run at Stage 42. A Broadway revival had been announced, I think, for last season or maybe the season before. And uh, Emmy winner Wayne Brady had been a part of workshops for it, but those plans never materialized. As I said before, this show is so much fun, and uh, I'm really excited that people will have a chance to see it back in New York, even if it is a you know an off Broadway limited run. But it really, really is a fun show when done well. That's cool. Excellent. That's a fun thing to see. All right, uh, Oscar-nominated film accused of plagiarizing Pulitzer winners Pulitzer winners play. Yes, in an exclusive report from The Guardian, the estate of Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Paul Zindel has accused the film The Shape of Water of using the late writer's work without credit, arguing that Guillermo del Toro's movie, which led the field with 13 Oscar nominations last week, was, quote, obviously derived from the 1969 play called Let Me Hear You Whisper. The play has also been produced for television in the UK as well. The Guardian breaks down the similarities and differences between the films, writing, quote, in both stories, a female cleaner works a night shift at a lab and falls for the for an aquatic creature that is the subject of mysterious science experiments. Both women develop a relationship by bringing food to the animal and dancing with a mop in front of the tank to the tune of a love song. The difference here that is that in um, the, the shape of water, the aquatic animal is kind of some sort of half man, half fish sea beast. And then let me hear you whisper. The aquatic animal is a dolphin. The two cleaner characters both learn to communicate with the creatures and both labs are involved in secretive military operations. The protagonists both discover imminent plans to kill the creature and both labs mention vivisection. Both women also devise plans to rescue the animal and release it into the sea by sneaking it out in a laundry cart. And let me hear you whisper, named after a song lyric that the laboratory plays for the dolphin, the creature repeatedly says hamper, encouraging her to put him in a laundry cart. Both women are friends 
friends with another janitor who helps them uh, escape and the Shape of Water. It's played by uh, Oscar winner uh, Octavia Spencer. Now, James, Natalie, the main difference between the two is that in Del Toro's film, the main character, Elisa, is mute while Helen speaks in Zindel's play. However, Helen does make the comparison, and let me hear you whisper, between the dolphin being able to communicate just like a mute person can. Now, I've seen The Shape of Water, have never seen or really even heard of Let Me Hear You Whisper, um, but The Shape of Water is a perfectly fine film. I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, but when a big-budget movie comes out of a major motion picture studio and no one is able to say, hey, there's this play that sounds a lot like our movie, it's kind of surprising to me like even if it is legitimately just a a massive coincidence you invest a lot of money in these films it it seems to me like you should have somebody making quadruple sure (laughs) that there's nothing like this that could potentially happen yeah what comes to mind is uh the great um ice ice baby uh oh stop stop (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with that other song. Yeah. No, nothing. It's just, you know, there's a lot of comparisons. Uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro is one of the best filmmakers in the world, and yeah. he says it was a coincidence. He was talking with somebody, somebody else who they developed the story together. The other person said he'd never heard of this play either. But it just seems like at some point you need to have somebody on the production side researching anything that could potentially cause a problem for your film, especially when it is um, something that could get a lot of awards consideration. All right. Uh, Frozen to release new songs during previews. Yes. At Broadway Con on Friday night, Bobby and Kristen Anderson Lopez announced that during the preview period for Frozen on Broadway, they will be releasing a new song from the stage score every Friday, beginning on February 23rd. It will be a total of four songs, and they will be Monster, a new Act Two solo for Elsa, What Do You Know About Love, a new duet for Anna and Kristoff, Dangerous to Dream, a new interior monologue sung by Elsa, and True Love, a new Act Two solo for Princess Anna. The songs will be recorded by the Broadway cast featuring Casey Levy, Patty Murin, and Jelani, uh, Jelani Aladdin, and they will be available at frozenthemusical.com and wherever music is sold or streamed. Now, guys, these songs were all part of the Denver tryout productions, so I wonder what this means about any potential changes that these songs or the show in general could undergo during previews. In a recent interview, Michael Grandage said that the show as a whole would be approximately 30% new from what was seen in Denver last summer uh, by the time it opens up on Broadway. What that means, we don't know if he's talking about script, score, costumes, design, you know, effects. We we have no idea, but it's interesting to say that the show is going to be almost a third new, yet they're releasing four new songs that presumably will definitely still be in the show um, when it opens even though they're releasing them before previews. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how this develops. Uh, I've got my ticket for my trip to New York, and I'm very, very excited to see it once uh, it finally does open. All right. Natalie, what do we have in this week's theatrical schedule? Well, first up, the Women's Project Theater presents a new play entitled Porto, which begins previews tonight, Monday. It's about a woman who goes to her favorite bar in Brooklyn, but when a handsome stranger walks in, disruption ensues. This production will officially open on February 6th. The Public Theater's world premiere, Kings, begins previews on Tuesday. Playwright Sarah Burgess and Tony-winning director Thomas Kale, who directed a little show called Hamilton, are teaming up with this hilarious new play about money and politics centered around the people at the heart of our democracy. 
Kings is set to open on February 20th. Signature Theater's Edward Albee's At Home at the Zoo, Home Life, and the Zoo Story opens off-Broadway on Tuesday at the Pershing Square Signature Center. In Act 1, Home Life, we meet Peter and his wife, who live a comfortable but vaguely unhappy existence. And in the second act, The Zoo Story, Peter is forever altered by an oddly persistent stranger in Central Park. The cast includes Tony Award winner Kate Finneran, Tony winner Robert Sean Leonard, and Emmy Award nominee Paul Sparks, who is known for his work on House of Cards. This production will run through March 11th. Second Stage Theater's world premiere Cardinal will open on Tuesday, as we mentioned before. Um, I talked about this a few weeks ago, so I'm going to keep it brief, but the basic premise is that Lydia has a wild idea to spruce up the small town she's living in, but when a smart entrepreneur co-ops her scheme, a rivalry is born and the rest of the town reacts. Cardinal will run through February 25th. Eugenius is opening on Wednesday in London at the Other Palace. This show is a teenage love story set against a backdrop of comic books and superheroes. Eugenius will run through March 3rd. Roundabout Theatre Company's off-Broadway premiere, Amy and the Orphans, begins previews on Thursday. After their father's death, two unhinged siblings reunite with Amy, their sister who has Down syndrome. An unexpected turn reveals the moment that changed their lives and the fact that Amy may be the only one who knows her own mind. This production will open on March 1st. MCC Theater's world premiere entitled Relevance begins previews on Thursday. This show is centered around a heated exchange between author-slash-veteran feminist warrior and a promising young writer. This feud goes viral, and the young writer Teresa finds herself ill-equipped to manage her message in the social media era, especially against a rival whose time may have come. Relevance was directed by Tony Award nominee Liesl Tommy, and it will officially open on February 20th. Also on Thursday, Classic Stage Company's Fire and Air will open. This world premiere by Tony Award winner Terrence McNally explores the rich history of the Ballet Russe and the tempestuous relationship between Sergei Diaghilev and dancer Vaslav Nijinsky. Tony Award winner and Emmy nominee John Glover star in this production. Fire and Air will run through February 25th. Now let's move on to the closings. In the West End, Playhouse Theater's revival of Glengarry Glen Ross will close on Saturday. The West End revival of Strangers in Between will also close on Saturday. And lastly, Playwrights Horizons off-Broadway production Miles for Mary will close on Sunday. And that's it for this week's schedule. Hmm. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, it's here's something that I've been meaning to mention for a week. Uh, our good friend Lindsay Jones, uh, sound designer extraordinaire, has been posting on Facebook this uh, thing. Matt, have you seen this? This uh, no, I don't, I don't do the Facebook. I, I wasn't sure if he also posted it on, or if you've seen it on uh, on the Twitter. Um, Playwrights Horizons uh, show Mankind is closing up uh, this week. Oh. And- <laughs> You know what you I'm talking about? You sent it to me. You, yeah, you sent I it did. to me. I, I sent it to you, yeah. So there's a 325-pound 300, giant gold baby that is uh, available for the taking. You just have to be able to pull up a truck and take it away. <laughs> and uh, Playwrights Horizons is uh, still saying, hey, it's available if anybody wants to come take this thing. So uh, Wow. It's then, huge. It's, it's ginormous. I, I'm thinking 15 feet. Uh, tall. I don't know how big it is. They said it's like 325 pounds or something. It's it's yeah. gigantic. So, uh, Rob, Robbie, if you can fit it in your apartment, get it on the train <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do that. That It's available. Rob Johnson, I know that you could take it, Rob. Uh, things like that. Uh, Kerr Lockwood, because <laughs> perhaps he could get it as well. Uh, so, anyway, 
Now that we've done our PSA announcement there, and also uh, <laughs> Mankind also had a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood, and they raised $20,000. So good news for Planned Parenthood, yeah, and thanks to them. Playwrights Horizons. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at Matt. And subscribe to Something like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Natalie, where can the peeps find you? The peeps can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Nowak. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for starting off your week with us. And as Matt mentioned, we'll be in your ears a little bit later on Tuesday morning, but we will be there. So check us out then. 